Real Finance with J-Dub is sponsored by Little Woods Capital Advisors, LLC. Little Woods, humble beginnings, big results. Hello again, and welcome to Real Finance with J-Dub. I'm your host, Shauna Monahan, and today we will begin the first episode in our series, Finance for People Who Hate Finance. Today our topic will be, what is a 401k? What it means, is it for you, and how to use it to reach your goals. And as always, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Little Woods Capital Advisors, Jeff Williams. Good morning. Good morning. This this is great timing for this one. I know. Coming, I know, really. Yeah, right on the heels of Labor Day. Yeah, it's right? awesome. <laughs> so let, we're getting into now what labor can get us, right? Yes, labor intensiveness. That's right. Okay. So how do you want to start this off? Um, I just wanted to revisit uh, our first podcast just a little bit because I didn't feel like we really drove home. Uh, why we felt like it was important, the, the actual specific reasons why we felt it was important that women become more actively engaged in managing their own finances, you know, both, you know, as individuals and as members, you know, of a family or a partnership. Right. And, uh, and just the kind of, the overarching theme there is just the, the power of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And what the, the main reasons, and I'll, I'll just kind of give you a list here of, what's created this new sense of urgency is, yeah. And a lot of this is just based on statistical information. So um, even though there are more professional women in the workforce, we're still finding that women on average in terms of the number of hours they put in work less. Mm -hmm. Uh, The average woman lives five years longer than the average man. Yeah. Um, Divorce rate is still pretty high. I'm sure you could probably yeah. enlighten us on oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I wanted to ask you that. Is 50% actually a representative figure? Or is that because I feel I, it seems like that's kind of tossed about and we never really got any any firm, solid you know, backing on that. Depending on where you slice the pie, like in terms of age or um, length of marriage or things like that, um, it can go up or down. It's actually a little bit more than that. It's almost like two thirds these days. Really? Yeah. But one of the oddest things that we're starting to see now more than ever is people just not marrying. Yeah. People, either they prolong it well past what we would normally developmentally kind of put in that age bracket. So they're doing it in their 30s, 40s, 50s, something like that, or just not at all. Mm-hmm. Just um, cohabitating for a series of years. And then so kind of a serial monogamy kind of model rather than traditional matrimonial model. Right. That's what I was going to ask you. Are they yeah. just not entering relationships at all or is it more of just the domestic partnership at this point that, yeah that's the preference it's more like a domestic partnership kind of a trial run right <laughs> i'm gonna test drive this for a couple of years and no yeah. i actually know people like that i mean yeah. like you know kurt russell and goldie hawn is probably the most famous example but i do know people who who just for whatever reason decide sure. it was better never, never to to yeah. put it on paper oh, you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um so you know for those reasons also and uh Eventually, we're going to dedicate a podcast episode to Social Security, um, which is, and that's going to take some work because the whole enrollment process for Social Security and Medicare is very intensive. It's probably the most work intensive aspect of your, you know, your overall financial life, I guess you would say. Um, So we're probably going to need to get some more experts in here to. We might want to break that one down by steps. Yeah, that that might be the, the way to go there. Yeah. Um, but in terms of women and social security, right, right. You were saying, yeah. Okay. No, but, but, but still it's, 
you know, in the overall as well, it's going to be important. So in other words, what you wanted to say is when you're a woman and you're looking at, you know, what I do with social security, it can be determined greatly by how you're viewing it. If you're viewing it as kind of following somebody else's lead, or if you're viewing it as I need to understand what I'm doing, staying on top of when I, you know, start drawing social security, things like that, right? Well, yeah, there's the phys- the philosophical part, but there's also the the academic part, which is which was really what I was kind of referring to because oh. um, what ends up happening is you there's a determination made when you start, and a lot of that is predicated on your spouse because exactly because whoever makes more money or uh, sometimes you retire at different times. You know the uh, you know one spouse or the other starts earlier than the other, and then. And then also in terms of survival benefits, you know, what happens if, if to the surviving spouse in sure. the event of a death. So, uh, so that just requires its own set of planning. And, uh, and that's why I'm saying that's, that's a, an often unspoken about reason, but a very important reason why uh, women should be more, you know, informed about that particular topic because yeah. it's, it, that, that's going to affect them greatly yeah. down the road. Okay. And then, and then just generally, you know, we, we talked about, you know, combining credit, um, and the, the need for, for disclosure. Yeah. Um, so, so obviously, you know, and, and I can speak to this personally as, as an advisor, it, I need to know that I need to have that information. Yeah. So even if they, if, if there's some trepidation as to whether or not we share it among us, um, it's, it's still something that we, we have to know. So, and I, then. Go ahead. I was going to say that brings a whole new level to dating. So you've met my parents. <laughs> now, honey, I'd like you to meet my financial advisor. Right. Oh, well, that might be a good way to start. Yeah, I'll be I'll chaperone. Here's okay. my friends, family, and my financial advisor. Yeah, we'll start. You're going to we'll get signed off there. by everybody. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I like that. <laughs> There's probably a need for that. There's an app for that, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then last, but uh, most importantly, the the way the, the laws are written, written mm-hmm. and we talked about this with financial abuse, they tend not to favor the victims. Yes. Um, when there's, you know, when spousal abuse occurs, regardless of what form it is. Right. So. But also that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just ladies get on it, you know, call us up, set an appointment. I've had a lot of good feedback. Have you? Actually, yeah. I've It's sparked a lot of conversations um, between my friends and I. Uh, about it. And someone actually asked me, you know, with the disparity in income, like the traditional, you know, female disparity in income. Like, right. Yeah. Um, is, can that be seen as a positive or a negative? And my stance on it was, well, everything's a positive if it sparks conversation, if it sparks communication, right? you know, between two people. So even though it may be, you know, unfortunate for you as a female that you're making less than your spouse and maybe doing the same work or whatever, like, if it starts the conversation rolling and it gets you involved, then it can turn into a positive. Well, just the the mere fact that you're already getting feedback on it. Yeah. You know, we really, and today was really just the, the first day that we officially launched everything. So, yeah. But I can tell you, there were some ears burning back home in Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, I was getting, I, I mean, not a lot. Uh, you know, I got I got some some compliments on the website and, and uh, but, you know, I had some people were like, Jeff, what are you doing to me here? You know? <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying. Don't talk about that. Yeah. And then Heather, others like, Jeffrey, who have you been talking to? You know, like. Well, money is one of those things, right? You know, religion, politics, and how much do you make and what do you do with it? Like, oh, we don't really talk about that. Yeah. In fact, we ought to, we really ought to call this podcast Forget the Reverend because I've had, <laughs> I have a former pastor and a, and a current priest 
who's that in my family. Mm. One of them is my godfather, the other one's an uncle as well. And uh, if they, the, they volunteered this, basically the two most important topics that they cover when they do spiritual counseling is money and mm. the other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My other field. Yeah. yeah. Your, <laughs> your wheelhouse. The other thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big problems there. And I would add a probably, you know, third that mixes into everything, family, which kind of colors both ends of that. You know, the family setting that you were raised in colors how you think about money, what you do with it, as well as the other thing, you know. Yeah, value right. system. Exactly. That's been installed, sure. All right. So that's about last time. Yes. That catches us up. Okay. You ready to get into the 401k stuff? Yeah, let's let's okay. get into the let's get into the weeds and see if we can keep people awake here. But <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. So here, just hearing the term, I immediately think this is something for older people, mm-hmm. and this is something for people in a certain income bracket or who have a certain type of job. Right. So it's not something that um, I have often even thought would be accessible to someone my age or someone my level or something like that. Like I immediately just kind of start to drone out when I hear stuff like that. So explain to me why that's a bad way to think. Um, what is a 401k? Well, there different ways we can approach this. I'll, I'll just kind of first give a little history. Mm. Um, and then we can talk about what it is in terms of the structure. Um, when we say 401k, it's actually, it wasn't an invented term. Whenever we say it, it's, we were, we're actually, uh, dictating a code, Mm -hmm. a subset of the IRS guidelines. Gotcha. What happened was in the 60s and 70s, some employees from Kodak decided that they wanted to, they basically lobbied Congress to put into law uh, an addendum that would allow them to create a retirement plan at work where they can invest in the stock market, basically. All right. And, uh, and it kind of sat there for a while. And then, and then there was another guy, I can't remember his name, but he, uh, I'm sure you could look it up on Wikipedia or something like that, <laughs> but he he decided he was really kind of the first one to actually implement it. It kind of just sat in a box for a while. Um, and it never really got any kind of broad appeal. Gotcha. Um, and then, uh, in the early eighties, it started to pick up steam and so it, more it companies was, started yeah, building this it, into their benefit structure. And right. Like, and okay. it was kind of a perfect storm because it was right around the time we were kind of having a financial revolution, if you will, both, you know, economically and politically. Sure. And employers were trying to figure out a way to kind of branch away from the defined, the traditional defined benefit pension system that we've relied on yeah. for so long. Right. So, and uh, it, it kind of appealed to a certain uh, political branch, the idea of people self-directing their own retirement. Now we can, people can debate whether or not that was a good idea, but you know, well, that conversation belongs somewhere else for yeah. now. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so that's really all it is. It, it, I mean, it kind of rolls off the tongue, but it's really nothing more than, you know, you just, yeah. you're just saying the, the numbers so nobody and the gave letter. Nobody a catchy name. Yeah, that's why the point. K is in parentheses. Nobody yeah. was clever enough to figure that out <laughs> <laughs> as a marketing ploy. I mean. That's really, it's, it's K, you know, yeah. it's section 401 subsection K right. of the IRS tax code. So That's so compelling yeah. when you say it that way. Exactly. It just right. gets my heart racing. Yeah, okay. I'm sure. Okay. I'm okay. sure. So, um, in terms of what it is, what it means to us in the workforce is, uh, 
it's basically, it's not an investment like a product. Uh, It's not even an account. It's more of a shell, if you will. Uh, A shell that was created to protect your savings and the return on that savings while it was growing up until the time where you retire and actually start to take it out. So possibly like a greenhouse. Sort of. A place where you can put, and, the, and then it helps it kind of grow and protect it and, until time to yeah, that's, go that's out a, into the world. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Okay. It's, yeah. But in this case, what we're, uh, what we're protecting it from is not the outside world, but from the IRS, basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, now in terms of, okay, what, how is it constructed? So, so hold on. Okay. Just, okay. So let me just do a little quick summary. So this is something that is employer-sponsored. Yes. Yeah, okay. I was going to get to that. Okay. Sorry, then no, maybe no. I should not interrupt you. No, no, you can. <laughs> I'll kind of lay it. I'll kind of lay out just uh, the broad strokes, and then okay, and then we can come back. But um, I guess if you think of it in terms of like, we'll just call it a triangle. That's not an official term. I just okay. kind of you know creatively yeah. came up with that. But there are basically three parties involved with the four hundred one k. All right, and these now these are the official terms. You have the the plan participant, which is us, okay. the people that, the workers that contribute to it. Gotcha. There's the plan sponsor, mm-hmm. which is another way of saying the employer. Right. Okay. Because they're sponsoring the plan on your behalf. Yes. And then there's the plan administrator, which is, which are your financial companies. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, be a, a wa- big Wall Street firm. It could be like a, an HR specialist or something like that. And basically, it's their job to uh, administer the plan, keep records. They're the bookkeepers. They're Track the record it, keepers. Oversee it. Make sure everything's above board. Right. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and they also. So that's like they, a third party. Yes. Okay. Yes. So impartial there, to either two. Yes, and I and I'm coming to that. There's a there a third party that's chosen by the the company, the plan sponsor, and usually they work in tandem with your HR department, and then. They come up with a set of rules because even though there are some general standards that go with the with the plan itself, uh, every company is entitled to set up certain restrictions and limitations or freedoms, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, if they want to tailor to kind of their what they think their employees want and need. Okay. Or just it could be uh, a matter of uh, of scope. You know, if you're a big company, then you're going to have a lot more. You know special needs and so forth that, or, or just things that come up. So more, maybe, maybe the larger, the more flexibility. Right. Exactly. Uh, And maybe, uh, the, the number of investment choices that you have, and we'll get to that later. Okay. But, and I want to stress this, this is probably the most important misconception that I come across. Okay. Is people associate the plan administrator with the, with managing their money. So, Mm. uh, we'll, we'll just say, you know, fidelity, is the biggest. Mm-hmm. They, they were actually very uh, strategic. They saw they saw the space and they jumped into it. And they're they're the biggest by far in the world. Um, but I'll have people say, "Well, Fidelity manages my money at work," and I'll mm-hmm. say, "No, Mm-mm. not really. They they they're just they're the custodian because they hold the money, but they're they're the record keeper basically." Yeah. Okay. Who manages the money? That that's a different. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. So and 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 hopefully we'll we'll get into more of that. So okay. But that but those are the three components. Okay. The the worker, the employer, and then the third party vendor. 
Okay. The reason I brought up the employee sponsor thing is because that's how a person usually gets the opportunity to have a 401k mm-hmm. is by working for a larger company, corporation, whatever structure, okay, that has that thing built into their benefit or compensation plan for their employees. Yeah. It's often, an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, it's it's most often associated with large corporations, particularly public, publicly traded corporations. Gotcha. And you'll, you'll find that even though there are, there are a number of options for small business owners in terms of setting up retirement plans. And see, that's why I was bringing this up because there's other options that are similar and yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but but it, it can be it can be cost prohibitive. That's why it's not it's not universal right. yet, um, and and we'll eventually we'll you know educate people on you know you and I are small business owners and and yeah. it's actually pretty amazing how many choices we have in terms of where we can we can stick our savings. I know it's, I I saw something that you and I might have to talk about later that I was interested <laughs> in. So we'll get to that. Okay. But yeah. Okay. So. All right. Now, can I, are you, can I jump ahead? No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> just, I don't want to cut no, off. No, jump in good. here. No, okay. we're, no, we're good. Um, so one of the things that since it is, you know, employer sponsored, right, that right. they kind of set this up, you can choose to participate and in what kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that companies often do is they will sometimes match contributions. Yes. Okay. And so, and to greater or larger extent, depending kind of on your company, right? Right. It's it's completely up to the employer. There's there are no universal uh, standards standards there, right? Okay. Um, and yeah, some some companies are more generous than others. Some kind of make it complicated. You know, for example, uh, we'll we'll match the first six percent up. You know, fifty cents on a dollar. Gotcha. So it's almost like three percent, really. Make a weird tiered kind of system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and usually those those rights are uh, restricted to people who uh, you know meet a certain classification at in the workplace. Usually full time workers. Right. And also the and also sometimes you have to wait you know three months, six Before months, you're twelve months. Well. Vesting, that's that's, that's separate. Yeah, just okay. just the, the ability to contribute in the plan. Ah. They can hold you out of there until they feel like you've put your time in. And then the vestment part is then where the matching starts to make? Well, no, no the vesting is- part is, okay, so um, for those keeping score at home <laughs> and have no idea what we're talking about, when the, and this is why I encourage people to at least uh, contribute, when you, when you put money into your 401k plan, you want to, at least get the full employer match because that's free money. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. And, and they're doing it for a reason. So you might as well take advantage of it. Sure. But what happens is the, once we start commingling, you know, putting your money and their money together, you, you have to put in usually three years or so before you can actually say that money's yours, all of it. Ah, uh, okay. Because they, they can kind of put a cap on it and say, yeah, this is you. It's technically it's on the books. Yeah, but technically it's not yours. You're until, not going to just take it and walk away, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's and that's probably the main reason why they do it is they don't want to encourage people to you know take be short timers. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, they've made an investment in you, exactly. In labor. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Ba, ba, ba. So, but even with just saying four hundred one k, there's different types. Well, not different types of 401k plans. Um, well, there's traditional and then there's Roth. That's an IRA. Mm. 
Oh no, no, you're right. No, I'm sorry. Also- <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's also well, an IRA. Uh, uh, I guess it, when we're speaking in coded language, there's it really applies more to the contributions, right? And and not the type of accounts with IRA with IRAs. They're actually labeled traditional IRA and and Roth IRA, but but there are um, there are instances where you'll see that for the for the four hundred one k two. But that, from what I have learned, that only really tells you what happens with your taxes, like yeah, when that, money goes in and when taxes happen, right on that when account. when you get the benefit. So right. um, if you want to get the benefit when you put your money in, mm-hmm. that's when you do the pre tax contributions. The more traditional contributions. So you, you would can say. so you can elect that, and yes. your company will then take out a certain percentage or something like that, plop it over in your four hundred one k, and it, before your income is taxed. Right. So let's say you make uh, five thousand dollars a month, and you contribute five hundred dollars a month into your four hundred one k. Right. Then you're only going to be taxed on in your paycheck 4, on forty five hundred. Right. Right. And then that sits over there without building taxes on it. Right. It and grows all the all the growth, all the income that's associated taxed. with it is tax deferred. Right. Until the point at which you wish to re- withdraw it, right? Right. Until and then that gets taxed. Yes. So yeah. when you want to cash out your 401k, be prepared, you may have to pay taxes. Yeah. And that's okay. and that's something that that's part of your you know, we consider in the overall financial plan is what if we, to the best that we can estimate, what is your tax bracket going to be when you retire? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Because so, we can't, number one, we can't predict what the rates are going to be. And number two, we don't know how much income you're going to, you're going to have. Right. Um, at that time. So it's, it's, it's more art than science when we get, when we really get down to it. And then the other option is your tax, it's. Are the Roth tax- contributions. Right. Where. So it's taxed. Almost flip flop. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, the okay. tax benefit comes in on the back end gotcha. where you don't have to worry about uh, taking them out at a certain age and you don't have to worry about paying taxes on those either. So, uh, gotcha. So, yeah. So, here's a question. Mm-hmm. So, if you start with a company and you start a 401k with that company and then at some point you leave, can you take that with you and move it to another one? There, there are several options available to you at that point. Um, so what'll, what happens is if you, if you quit, if you retire, if you're fired, um, you have to wait for the record keeper to reflect that officially in your account. Okay. okay? Because it doesn't become immediately available once, you know, once that happens. Oh, no, no. Yeah. No, no. I just want to, I just kind of want to lay it yeah. out. So people, because a lot of people think, well, this, today's my last day. I'll get that back. I'm going to call up my vendor and I'm going to get that money now. <laughs> They they may not be ready for you yet, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, so you have to wait until the the system of whatever vendor your employer is using has your records updated and shows you as no longer working with the company. Gotcha. At that point, you can either uh, number one, you can take a full cash withdrawal, mm-hmm. in which case uh, the the tax law says they have to withhold twenty percent of that mm-hmm. as a down payment towards your income taxes for the year. So right off, you're starting out with, you know, eight, 80 cents on the dollar, Yikes. right? Okay. Um, but, you know, but I, like I said, we don't judge. Sometimes no. sometimes people need that money. If so that's the option. If, yeah. that's, if that's what you need to do, then, then sure. you do what you got to do. Um, 
The second option is you can also you can if you're starting a new job and your new employer has a 401k plan available, then you can do basically a company to company transfer. But what but physically what happens is the your old company is going to send you a check. It's just going to be made out to the new plan. Yeah. And then you send that you in send and then over. they deposit it. I right. gotcha. But you don't have to think, well, if I leave this company, I lose that investment that I've made. No, no, no. Gotcha. The that so it that money be a reason is protected. To stay. No, no, okay. no. There, there, there's. That's some why people, you have the third party. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Basically, that money's good into perpetuity. But, oh. um, and some people, for whatever reason, they decide, oh, I really like the investments in this plan, so I'm just going to leave it here. But oftentimes, I I do recommend, and this is the third option, mm-hmm. which is you can take that money and roll it over into your own personal retirement account. Okay. So, so now you have, you can choose where it goes. You have more control of it. Yeah. Yeah. No there's penalties. a lot more flexibility, <laughs> probably a lot more and infinite more yeah. investment options are available to you because 401 clans by, by design are somewhat limited in terms of what they offer. Um, not, not in every case, but that just, you know, as a general sense, um, and then also now let's say, um, and I actually would do this when I worked with 401k plans, I would tell people, okay, if you need this money, then, uh, we can do the cash out now, or if you roll it all over to your IRA first, you can take all of it. You don't have to, uh, when you take it out of your IRA, you don't have to withhold any taxes. It's not required. You can, it's okay. it, but it's completely voluntary. So, so the laws governing the two are completely different in that respect. But now we're kind of getting deep into the tax area. Tax but, code. Uh, yeah. Okay. But, uh, but it's important that people know that um, that's also kind of a way you can work around. Because um, like you said, it's, it's, you may have an emergency comes up and then, no, I need, right. I need all 20,000. I don't, yeah. I don't, I can't, I'm not happy with 16 right now. Right. You know, right. I'll deal with the IRS later. So that's the way to get around it is to put it in your own personal individual account, an IRA. Gotcha. And then you can do the withdrawal from there. Okay. So this is one way to think about this is this is a type of retirement plan as opposed to like a pension, Mm -hmm. right? It's an investment usually intended for kind of retirement or someday. Well, not an investment. It's an account. Yeah. It's an account. Okay. No, no, the language is important here. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it is. Okay. <laughs> but it's something that um, companies often provide as a way of kind of doing the hard work for their employees. Like, yes, you can choose options, but we take it out of your check. You don't have to factor that into your budget. You don't have to, like, intentionally save. We're making it easy for you to sign off to do that. Right. And it's easy for companies to assimilate this particular benefit in with their their other yeah, you know, with their yeah, with their yeah. record keeping, their administration, sure. you know, of of their benefits, because oftentimes they'll use the same vendor for everything. Gotcha. Um, not always, but the but that that does happen. So it does make it easier for them, you know, just to kind of make it like a one stop shop in terms of how they manage the benefits for their employees. Gotcha. So, but the what you're talking about is there's a, you know, sometimes people will hear the terms defined benefit, DB. And defined contribution, DC plans, DB, DC plans. Gotcha. And what they're talking about is defined benefit. That's that's your pension plans. Mm-hmm. 
defined contribution, those are the ones where you are you're the pilot. You sign off. Yeah, 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 true. But once you sign that, then you don't have to do it every pay period. You don't have to. The, it's kind of set until you want to change the frequency or amount or whatever. Right? No, and that's and that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because what a lot of companies are doing now is they're once you're eligible to participate, they they enroll you automatically, and uh, they they take they take a percentage out, a certain percentage out of your paycheck for you, and then they there's kind of like a default investment option that they'll pour the money into. Right. But once that starts, it doesn't mean you can't go into your account and stop it if you wanted to. Gotcha. I think it's just to encourage people to to stay, you know, because they, they find they have more success with employees, save, you know, getting at least getting started saving by, by you know, enrolling them automatically sure. as opposed to just letting people decide on their own. This also, just if I could pull over to the side for a second, I think this is a smart option for many companies because it does kind of like, like, you know, like you were talking a minute ago about the whole 80 cents on the dollar thing. Like Mm -hmm. it does somewhat provide their employees um, a a, a bit of a financial parachute. So like, let's say you have some terrible circumstance happen in your home, your family, whatever you can, or some kind of debt befalls you or whatever you can take that cash out of the 401k that you've accrued and and you won't have to stop work. It won't have to disrupt. You won't have to go seeking, you know, different employment or supplemental employment. Like you have that as an option to kind of help you stay engaged with the company now. Actually, that's not true. Oh, okay. No, with, with 401k, with IRAs, that is, that's completely open to you. But with 401k plans, um, you're not allowed, like it, it goes back to the vesting thing. Because oh, the money's not accessible, right. yeah, you can't you can't do any well, withdrawals. After a point, um, after a point, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, you'll see as 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 you put your years in with the company, you'll see that okay, now you, you'll start seeing withdrawal options pop up. You'll see uh, sorry, loan and that's kind of available. what I meant. Okay, yeah, okay. not like not a short timer, like the company man, you know, been yeah. there for several years. But let's say all of a sudden, you know, your daughter crashes her car, right? And then you got to magic some money out of someplace. Like you can take a chunk out of your 401k and you don't have to then get credit card debt or something like that. You're, you can at a point pay yourself back yes. into the 401k rather than with interest. Yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're paying yourself interest, but well, it, I mean, I don't want to uh, get too far ahead in terms of that because we, it's not something that I openly encourage again. It, no. It's, it's something that we should deem as a last resort um, because a lot of, you know, people take withdrawals while they're still in, what we call in service while they're still working for their employer. Um, and like you said, you're if you're a tenured employee, you do have more options there. Right. Um, I've actually I've actually seen people who uh, once they've put some time in and they start to see those withdrawal options open up, they actually start moving it to their IRAs right away. They don't wait until they leave. Yeah. So because that money, you know, it's it's treated the same way whether you're still working for the company or whether you've left the way the IRS sees it. when you take it out, depending on what you do with it there, the, the rule, the same rules still apply. Okay? okay. So kind of what I'm hearing you say with a lot of this is just because you have something like this that an employer provides, you should still be thinking strategically about what's happening with it. Sure. Okay. So it's not a set it and forget it. Like that's not a great strategy. No, like, no. It's, there can still be a way to maximize what's happening with it. No, it's, it's just like, and and you mentioned this in in the in our first podcast how it's a component of an overall strategy right 
Um, so we, we consider it in terms of how it affects your life insurance coverage, your, your credit health, mm. uh, your emergency cash, you know, your ability to meet emergencies, so forth. Uh, you know, your mortgage, every, all that comes into play. So it's, it's all pieces in, in the same puzzle. And, and, and the 401k is no, uh, is not unique in that respect. It, it's, we chose to talk about it because it's a very, it's a common term. It's in the zeitgeist and, and a lot of people make use of it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's important that we address it and, and, and kind of break down, you well, know, as of 2018, over half of Americans have one. Yes. So yeah, that's a lot. So what do the other half have? Well, that kind of goes back <laughs> to what we were talking about with, uh, you know, a lot of people work part time. Uh-huh. If you're part time, that almost always disqualifies you. Okay. There are some rare cases. I, I believe Starbucks is is one company where they allow part time employees to contribute to 401ks. Oh, nice. In fact, I got a call one day uh, when I was working in the industry from from a young girl. Mm-hmm. She was in college, and she's like, um, "Yeah, I want to set up my 401a." I was like, "Oh, we got some work to do." <laughs> oh, sweetie, you're yeah. cute. Yeah. <laughs> Here. And it was a Starbucks employee and, and, uh, you know, she, she was obviously a part-timer, but, yeah. but I'm, I'm glad to see that they were able to figure out a way to do that because obviously, you know, you know, we, when we talk about investing, it's not time timing the market, it's time in the market. Ooh. So the, t- the sooner you get in, the, the more that miracle of compounding interest works Can for happen. you. Yeah. Yeah. So what if you are, what if you work for a nonprofit? Um, no, nonprofit. Okay. That's, that's another thing. Let me, but let me come back to the, uh, the original question, which was what about the people who don't have 401k plans? So a lot of them are part-time employees. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are independent contractors. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of them are small business owners who don't necessarily want to pay for not just to, uh, a third party to administer the plan, but also make the contributions on their employees behalf. Yep. Because that's all that becomes once you start it, it's a legal obligation. So, but the the great thing is if you're a small business owner or you're a 1099 you know contractor, uh, you can there are a lot of different options that are available to you in terms of uh, where you can put your own retirement savings and not have to worry about your employees or people who do work for you, uh, you know, to have to contribute on their behalf. Right. So. So that pretty much makes up the other. Uh, well, no, I mean, yeah. If I was going to talk about later the options of if you didn't have access to a four hundred one k, but other company, other organizations, I should say, have things like four hundred one k's. Right, and in the in the case of a nonprofit, they mm-hmm. have what the, it's it's just called something else. It's called a four hundred three b, but it's base it basically operates the same way. Right, um, and uh, Some, and it's nonprofits, teachers, municipal employees. You know, they they have. It's basically the same type of plan. Four three Bs are a little bit different because a lot of times they are, and I'm not sure why this is, but I, I guess it's because they want to create the uh, the notion that it's somehow like a pension. They'll purchase an annuity basically inside mm-hmm. of the the shell, the account, right, on behalf of the employees. Now they can still those, and this is you know whole different set of nomenclature but um those those employees or those teachers or whoever they are they they can they can choose their investment options right uh 
because some annuities are set up that way. They have what they call sub accounts where the money can be, you know, shifted around like a portfolio. Okay. But an annuity has its own set of rules and regulations and, and so forth. So, so uh, it's a tad different. Yeah. Okay. But I've heard that um, those organizations can often offer that as a supplement to pensions. So it's not necessarily an either or. Sometimes they can have both options. In terms of? of uh, For their employees. They can have a pension structure and they can also have a 403B structure that oh, yeah. you can elect. Yeah, no. Uh, and, yeah. And, and that's a good point too is that the – you know, the traditional pension structure isn't dead. Right. You know, there's right. still there's still a lot of companies out there that, that have them. Sure. But it is it is being, you know, boxed out. Yeah. Slowly. Yeah. So Okay. And then four fifty seven is for state and municipal employees. Right. Okay. That's basically the four one K equivalent. Yeah. And with all of now Explain this one to me, or maybe why this is a good idea. So, with a four hundred one k or these, you know, similar kind of um, things, uh, the uh, to go back to the triangle, the administrator, mm-hmm. right, has to file an annual report, mm-hmm. right, and you you can choose to view this, right, right. Okay, why is that a good idea, um, or is that just a really obvious question? No, I, I encourage people to do it, but. But I'll be honest, those a lot those reports read like stereo instructions. Sure. So even if there's a question that you have like, okay, what are the fees associated with this account? Unless you really know. Yeah, unless you can really deconstruct the vocabulary, it's 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 difficult to really understand it. And that's and that's what I'd like to try and yeah. hopefully fill in the gap there with you know, with discussions like this. But you could take that to your financial advisor. Oh, sure. You, or you could yeah. have access to it as a financial advisor. Yes. Yeah. You and could, that you could, could help inform your communication to your client, you know, here, okay, here's what the report. And so, and, and I love clients like that. They, yeah. they actually come to me with stuff like, okay, here, this is what I got from my employer. Um, and if, uh, you know, one of the things that we do, one of our specialties is do we do, you know, one-off 401k reviews for people. So, if they don't want the whole financial plan, they just want us to tell them how to invest their money when they put it in there. We can do we can do a one off for that. Oh, that's nice. But what but what we'll need is we'll need access to the plan's information because we need to know when investment options are available. Yeah. And we also want to know what you're what you're paying in terms of fees so we can just tell you. you right. know, so you can understand, you know, how that works. And also if there are any other uh you know, options that go with it that you know, we feel like should be on your radar, you know, whether it's the, the withdrawal options, when you're vested, uh, what your employer match is, how much you need to contribute to get that full match. That's, that's the kind of information we need to have so we can, yeah. so we can relay the, we can do the right job. Yeah. Kind of strategize again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wonderful. I like that. Okay. So if someone has no access to a 401k or similar, what should they be looking for? What are their options? Uh, what, what kind of, who are we talking about? Give me an example. I, I mean, uh, okay. Someone who's self-employed. Okay. Or, or small business owner. You brought that up earlier. Right. Um, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we start with someone who's just like a nine to fiver? Okay. Okay. Um, your first option is, is obviously the individual retirement account. Okay. Um, that would be the aforementioned be the, IRA. Yes, the that's IRA. That's what that stands for. That's what it stands that for. That actually stands for something. That's just not a tax code. Right. That's thing. not a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, the industry invented that one. Okay, cool. Um, and it's there catchy. are, oh yeah. 
Yeah, everybody loves an IRA, you know. <laughs> everybody needs an IRA. Hey, it's IRA. Yeah, hey. usually IRA does my taxes, not my, <laughs> you know. Not something you put money in. But uh, uh <laughs> um so that's one option. Um and uh and I wrote this down when I was uh when I was doing prep for the for the podcast, I I also wrote down HSA, which yep. is a new uh it's a new acronym that we've all had to learn. But, but with uh with healthcare being what it is and we'll we'll we'll, we'll touch on that later. Um but it's that's a, it's a vehicle that you can use. It's a good option. Um and then they're they're just plain old uh what we call after tax investment accounts. Um or an after tax account is any bank account basically. Anywhere where you put cash okay. that you've already paid your taxes on. So it's it could be a checking account, it could be a savings account, it could be a money market account, uh it could be a certificate of deposit, uh savings bonds. Um, uh, and then we get, if you want to start dealing with, you know, the brokerage firms, then you have what we call brokerage accounts where, okay. where you can go in and that's where people trade stocks and, yeah. and, and other types of securities. Um, also, uh, people aren't aware of, you know, uh, back under the previous administration, they invented what they called the MyRA, mm. which is basically an IRA that you can set up with the, with the U S department of treasury where you can uh, set up a, you know, uh, monthly savings, you know, and, and direct it into treasury securities. So what you're doing is you're buying, you know, treasury bills, treasury bonds, whatever it is, you know, whatever duration you want. Um, it, it was meant to at least give people an option who, you know, weren't terribly familiar with. And a lot of people who are listening to this are going to, you know, yeah. Don't what? know, don't know from, <laughs> you know, Charles Schwab or Merrill Lynch or whoever, uh-huh. you know, and, and so, well, you know, the government started this, this, this might be a good idea. So, so that's what they did. They set up, you can actually go online to the, the U S treasury and, and set up an account for yourself and, and buy T bills or T bonds wow. or whatever. And it's, they set it up as a, as an IRA. So you get the tax benefits as well. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So. IRAs have limits, though. They do. Okay. So lately, it's 6000 a year, 7000 and Okay, and this goes back to the last episode. So 6000 a year if you're single or single income. Uh, 7000 if you're a couple, is that right? Or if you're over 50. No, over 50. Okay. They could be because uh, you're allowed to contribute. And this is each, if, if you're a couple, this is each of you individually. You can each have your own account. So what one does doesn't, doesn't impact the other in that respect. Gotcha. Um, so if you're under the age of 50, then the limit is $6,000 for 2019. That could change again. You know, they, they, okay. they keep toiling with it. Although it's, and this is, I, I just have to say this because this just sticks in my craw. <laughs> but <laughs> I love that phrase. Yeah, we, we talked about, uh, you know, I mentioned the fact that I, I, there's proof that the the working class isn't making enough in terms of, you know, wages. Yeah. And Washington in its infinite wisdom has decided that the way to address this is to increase the contribution limits to your retirement plans. Well, if you've got no money to save, yeah. it doesn't really matter how much they allow you to put Thanks. in there, you know? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Pay me more. Wait. That's the problem, fella. Yeah, you know what a larger percent of ze- or percent of zero is? It's still zero. It's still zero. <laughs> yeah. That's that's math. Womp womp. Okay. So that's all right. So that's and then Roth IRA, there's uh an income 
income cap based on adjusted gross income. Well, the no, there, there's a no, no. You're right, but that that applies to to both types in term because with the oh, with okay. the traditional IRA, um, you're still your ability to deduct your contributions. That's where the the benefit upfront. Um, that's why people will typically will use a traditional IRAs because they dedu- they can deduct their contributions off their income, similar to a 401k. For 401ks, it's before tax, so it's a little bit different, but you still get a, a you still get a benefit there. But that uh, that benefit is tiered out based on your income. Right. So at a certain once you hit a certain income limit, you're not able to do that anymore. Gotcha. Um, and then there there are people now. And I, I want to emphasize this: you can contribute to an IRA as long as you're making, you know, as long as you have an income, you can contribute. Sure. The question is, what benefit, what tax benefits are you getting? Yeah. So, um, if you're someone who you either make too much money, so you can't, you don't qualify for the Roth, or you make too much money, so you don't qualify for the tax deduction of the traditional, you can still contribute to an IRA and get the tax deferred benefit. So that is basically open to everyone. That that one gotcha. that one benefit there. Mm. All right. The the different types what's what's happening there is just we're playing with, you know, what happens when it goes in and when it comes out. But what happens in between is is what's available to everybody. Everybody okay. with an income. Okay. So that's your 9 to 5er. Yes. Okay. So let me go back. What about somebody who's self-employed or small business? If you have, if you're, or freelancers, because everybody these days has a side. Yeah, or an independent contractor. Yeah. yeah, as long as long as you're not a salaried employee um, somewhere, and even if, and and this is true too, even if you're a salaried employee somewhere, but you have a side business, you can still set up One of retirement accounts. Yeah. Okay. In the, in your side business name, so sure. okay. even if you're it's like if you're. Uh, if you're a 1099 employee and that means you're self-employed basically in the eyes of the IRS. So you are entitled to the benefits that come yeah. forth with. Yeah. Um, the first is what they call a simple IRA. That's the one I wanted to talk about. Um, there is the SEP IRA, uh-huh. self-employed pension IRA. Um, there's also an individual and I, I own, I actually have an individual 401k and a SEP IRA. So that's, yeah, we're allowed so you can to double down. I can, yeah, exactly. Gonna, that's the part I wanted to talk about. Like, exactly. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and, and each has their own rules, but the, with, with the individual 401k, I'm the only employee basically. So, gotcha. uh, so, I mean, I do have people that, that do work for me, but it's on a contract basis. So I don't have to, yeah. I don't have to contribute for them. But, um, and, and I find that the, that the, the rules and the laws are getting looser for people who are, who operate their own business. Right. And I encourage people to be business owners sure. you know, just as a general philosophy, but, but that you do get to reap some rewards if you go that route. And yeah. this is one of them. You have, you have multiple options. Of course, the problem is, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but the problem is, okay, I need to make more money because yeah. <laughs> suddenly I have all these buckets to fill yeah. and, uh, and I don't have the cash to do it yet. That's right. So <laughs> just kind of drive it up there. So one of the things that um, I think I read about the SEP IRA is that it's often uh, a lot easier to kind of start up because there's less paperwork and can be kind of a lower cost to people. So it's uh, it's maybe like an easier entry point for that kind of thing. Um, it can be, but any any official 
any retirement plan that's uh, set up for for business owners is going to involve paperwork. Well, sure. And it's and it's going to be you know more complicated. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess. And now we're now we're kind of getting into an area where it, there, I, I can't. Really. There's too many dimensions there to cover. <laughs> like I can't really in the next five minutes. So <laughs> about. okay. So I mean, the important thing is we just kind of lay out that there are, there are multiple options available to you. Yeah. And and obviously that's something that we can we can help you with if you come to us and say you know I'm a I also I have a side business or I'm a business owner you know what what can I do and I have clients like that you know uh, you know doctors and lawyers you know they have their own practice you know they have sometimes sometimes you'll have a client that kind of fits in between you yeah. know they. Um, they have employees, but they don't want necessarily want to pay to uh, set up a plan and then put put money in their accounts for them. But they have all this, but they have more than enough cash that they can that the way the law is structured, they're not they're not able to you know to put it to work. Gotcha. So sometimes we have people who kind of fit in between, and we got to kind of finagle things to to yeah. help them, you know, get yeah. the most of what, what they make. So, so let's go back to the HSA again then. Right. Now, now, who would that kind of be ideal for? That is anybody, if you qualify for an HSA, then, then you should definitely so take what, advantage of it. What are the qualifications for an you, HSA? You're, you have to participate in a high deductible, uh, medical plan. insurance plan. Yeah. yeah. That's with a low monthly premium. Yeah. And higher deductible. So yeah, so. Right. Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people will have different choices when they start their, when they look at their benefits, when they start a job and um, the, the employer may have, you know, like a, an HMO or a PPO and then they'll have, you know, what they call an HDCP, a high deductible, you know, uh, right. health plan. So, um, and what you'll do is you'll compare the prices between the two and then you'll say, okay, well, if I do the, the, the high deductible plan, what what's the difference between this and the HMO and is, you know, you basically, you'll see how much you'll be able to put into your HSA account. So, but the great thing about the HSA account is you get a a tax benefit on the front end and the back end. As long as the, as the money is being used for, for medical expenses, um, then you get, it's, it's pretty much the only uh, savings vehicle that the IRS allows where you get, tax benefits no matter where you know where it happens so this also has the benefit that y- you don't use it or lose it it rolls over each year yeah and that's that's the difference between that and say the flexible savings account which right. has an annual yeah that's the use it or lose it type gotcha. the hsa it's basically uh an ira for healthcare. that's nice yeah where where you can you can get a pre-tax benefit for your contributions and then you get the zero tax benefit when you take the money out now, if let's say, for instance, that you're in a position where you can max out your HSA account and then you retire and you got a pile of money there and you don't necessarily need to spend it all for medical expenses, mm-hmm. the IRS does allow you to take it out. Mm. Now, there are, uh, it does become taxable yeah, and there may be penalties involved, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you can't get it. You can't use it for something else. Sure. So- you know, depending on your situation, I haven't come across that yet. Somebody right. who's that lucky, but <laughs> but, um, the, but this would be a great idea for somebody who maybe does have a chronic illness, like or, me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you you take lots of medications, you have lo- lots of doctor's appointments, or something like that, or 
and this sounds a little bit grim, but you're not necessarily anticipating, you know, a long retirement, a long healthy retirement, maybe. Right. You know, kind of thing. So socking away money for the medical benefits might be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're sober about it, um, like I was, uh, I, I kind of had to time it because every year I go in and I, I have to see my cardiologist. He runs a sonogram and then I see my surgeon because he wants to see the results right. and, you know, cause he's the one that, you know, Tells saved you. my life. Yeah. So, so I'm going to see him, but, um, and those, and I can count on those things happening. So I have to, you know, budget for budget them for and I got to make sure that, you know, our HSA is filled to the point where, you know, I, I know I can cover it. So you said our, so that raises a question. I'm going to draw it back to the family thing again. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have one person who holds the medical benefits for the family. Right. Okay. But can the non primary policyholder spouse pay into that also or no? Um, and not, they can't keep it separate. No, no, right? it's, uh, so it just kind of goes under the spouse. So let's say, no, the, the way it works is you, basically if you wanted to max out on contributions yeah. for, for a married couple, they would each have to have their own health plans and they would have to each have their own HSA account. Gotcha. Um, now sometimes when you have the money deducted from your paycheck to go into that account, you may not, you're not necessarily maxing it out. Right. But um, because of the way the account's set up, they're usually, you know, set up with brokerage firm types that you might be able to make contributions like outside of your paycheck. If you want to come out of pocket and put money in there, you can usually. Okay. So, so that's, that's why I kind of, I kind of blanched at first. Like, yes because, and no. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> like most of these things. Yeah. It's, it's both. <laughs> okay. Um, but the, but the important thing is the the primary policy holder um, can you can use those benefits for the, for the whole family. Yeah. So so if if I'm using it, even though my wife's we're on her health plan, even though her name is on the card, I can still use it to pay for my medical expenses and and vice versa. Vice versa, yeah. And if you have children, it's the same thing. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So the the people that are that are billing you for the medical services, they don't really care as long as you. <laughs> As long as you got a card, they don't care whose Whatever. name is on it. Yeah, give it, give it here. I'll yeah. run it. I'll take it. Okay. Um. So, that, but those have a limit on it too. Um. In terms of the contributions. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty-five thousand uh, if single. Seven thousand if you're a family. Right. You can throw in an extra thousand if you're over fifty. Right. There's always 55. what they call the catch-up contributions. Yes. So if you're, if you're if coming you're, late to the game. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they they give <laughs> but you a chance. You have money. Yeah. You can throw it in there. Okay. So it helps. Right on. All right. Um, not, but I do think uh, what what we should talk about at this point is, okay, what happens to your money when it, when it gets in there? Okay. And we should probably do another episode on this alone called what What is a Mutual Fund? Maybe that's the second in the series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel it's, it's important that we explain it within this context because most people – who invest in the stock market, and and when I say most people, I mean the working class. Sure, they do it through their four hundred one k plan, yeah. and they do it in the vehicle of an investment product, which is called a mutual fund. And it's actually a pretty cool invention. Um, what happened? And the best analogy that I can use is um, a mutual fund is like, well, depending on where you grew up in New Orleans, it's a gro- it's a grocery basket, and here it's a shopping cart. So. <laughs> <laughs> you take your, you have a shopping cart or a grocery basket and um, 
you fill it, you put your money in there. And then a guy comes along and he starts to push the basket. That's the guy that's going to manage your money for you. So he's going to go up and down the aisles and he's going to take some Microsoft. He's going to take some Facebook. Okay. He's going to take, you know, uh, some, uh, some gap, whatever. And he's going to create a portfolio based on that. And the reason that they do it that way is most people can't afford to buy shares of an individual company on their own because they might be, it'll probably be too expensive. Yeah. Especially a company like Netflix or Facebook, because we're talking about hundreds, thousands of dollars, maybe. Okay. Um, what, what the mutual fund does is it allows people to pool all of their money together. So small contributions together into this one big basket. And then in turn, we, our financial advisor, our money manager goes and he takes all that money and he invests it for us or oh, she, Okay. or sometimes it's a team of people that do it. Yeah. And in exchange, they, they get, they get a cut basically. Oh. Um, now, depending on the type of, of mutual fund is sometimes your advisor gets a cut too, but at Littlewoods, we, we don't, we don't operate that way. In fact, you get to decide where your investments come from. But when we're, when we're dealing with a 401k, those, those choices has already been made for us. So we have a select list that we have to choose from. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now with a, with a mutual fund, um, almost by law, they're going to have a certain amount of money, certain uh, percentage of that pool is going to stay in cash in case somebody decides to sell, to sell out. Right. Cause mm-hmm. they, it, they got to have kind of like an insurance company has to sure. have some cash on hand if somebody dies. It's the same deal. Right. Um, but for the most part, I'd say 90% of the money that gets poured in there gets invested. Okay. okay. And now the, the types of investments run the gamut. I mean, we have large company stocks, we have mid-sized companies, we have small companies, we have U.S. Treasuries like we talked about before. Uh, some uh, some fund managers uh, buy options on the stock market. So if so, if they in case it's like a hedge, in case the portfolio goes one way, they they can kind of offset it by by betting against the market. Gotcha. Um, and you know, hedge fund managers do that too. That's, that's kind of their, their metier, but well, that's, that's a different discussion. So, so you put, everybody pulls their money together and you know, we go, the, the manager goes and buys all these groceries and they take their cut and the, and their, their percentage is kind of baked in to the, the price of your ownership in, in the pool, because what'll happen is he'll drive that cart up almost like to a teller window at the end of the day and say, okay, tell me how much all of this stuff in here is worth. And then we figure out what our shareholders right. values, individual shares are worth. Gotcha. So it's, it's not like individual stocks where they're priced like to the second there's uh, the, the price of your, the value of your shares is basically posted once a day. Okay. So, it makes no sense to check your 401k on an, on an hour or a minute to minute basis because it doesn't fluctuate like that. Okay. And, and, and really if you're, if you're doing it right, you shouldn't be checking it every day That's a bad at idea. all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you should just put it on autopilot and look away. So, uh, so, but, but the, the whole genius of the idea is it allows people who don't have a lot of money to pull together and still invest in the stock market. So, yeah. so they're not doing it directly. There's a go between. Sure. But they, if you were to say, uh, and, and a lot of people, you know, I've had people try and say, well, what's a, what's, should I get an index fund or a mutual fund? Well, no, it's the same thing. 
sometimes what what the manager will do is says, you know what, I'm not going to try and outsmart the market. I'm just going to buy the market. Oh, and that's where you have like you know the Dow Jones, you know the stuff that you see quoted on the news. The stand the S and P 500, which the Standard and Poor's is a company, and they they invented this index, and it's basically the 500 largest corporations in America based on what their what their value is you know, at the market. Right. Okay. So okay. If, you, if you were to figure out what, what Walmart is worth in terms of its stock, the total comp, you know, the total value of its stock that's out, out there in the public, that's where you'll determine where it fits in the ranking in the index. Gotcha. Okay. okay. It's not necessarily who's the largest company in terms of employees or money or uh, yeah, money yeah, or how much money they, they make right. or whatever, or, you know, sales or net net income, whatever, you know, standard when you use it's, it's based on what its value is on the street. So, and also, uh, the bigger companies make up a greater percentage of the index because they do it proportionally. So, if Walmart is worth, say, a million dollars and Kroger is worth, you know, 50000 sure. then more of the money is going to get poured into Walmart because it has a greater proportional yeah. share yeah. Okay. of the overall value. May not make sense, but... <laughs> But I'm I'm doing my best Just here. Like, okay. And, and the reason I make that distinction is some people think, well, if I if if I invest in an index, and an equal amount of money is going to be invested in each company, no, and I and it's that's not, not the way it's set right, up. No. Right. Gotcha. But what the value of the invi- of the index fund is, um, because it's not managed actively. Okay. Like in other words, your your manager, the guy that's driving a cart, isn't trying to uh, outsmart the market he doesn't have to charge as much. Gotcha. So he's not like taking things out of the basket, putting them back, adding, it's just kind of the same. Right. The only time, the only time that he'll do that is if a company is added or is dropped or is taken out of the index. Gotcha. So now there are some times where when that happens and if, uh, if they make money on that deal, mm-hmm. you know, if they if they sell the shares in that particular company and they make money on it, then that money gets returned to anyone who owns a piece of the pool. Ah. So and and usually they usually do it at the end of the year, but it gets paid out as what they call a capital gain. You know, same thing if you bought the stock yourself and you sold it. It's you know whatever gotcha. the profit is, they lock that in and they and they distribute it to everyone. Okay. Also, if uh. A lot of the stocks that are owned in that index pay dividends. So they also, so obviously the fund manager is getting all this dividend money. That in turn is also paid out to the people that own the fund. And that, and that's an important part of your overall return. So, and a lot of people these days are, are buying funds like that because, because of the dividend and how big it is in proportion to what they're earning at the bank right now. Right. You know, because rates are so low, yeah. CDs, money market accounts, you know, regular plain old savings accounts aren't paying anything. Sure. And that's and that's kind of why we've seen this sustained, I would say inflated run up in the stock market is because people can't they're out there trying to get a return <laughs> that they can't get in the normal places, right? Right. So it's almost they've been they've been forced into assuming more risk because they need they need to just beat inflation, you sure, know, sure. with, you know, things, the cost of things goes up every year. Yeah. And in order to keep up with that, you have to, you have to find a rate of return that's going to, you know, yeah. beat that. Yeah. And right now that's, that's pretty much the, the only way. Yeah. So, okay. so anyway, uh, and, and the reason why we mentioned the index fund is that's, that's kind of part of our, 
investing strategy at Littlewoods is we, we want to make sure that, uh, because we find that we could, we could hunt down funds. Sometimes your 401k is not going to have index funds available. So then, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to pick out what, what the win, what we think the winners are and, you know, which managers are better than, than the others. But, uh, with the index fund where we're basically, preoccupied with cost. We want to keep your costs at a minimum, not in terms of what you pay us, but what also what you pay with your investments. Sure. And, uh, and we feel like in the, in the trend, if you look at the trends, you see, you're, you've been seeing money steadily pour out of actively managed funds and into index funds over the last decade. And, uh, some people are worried that it's going to cause like its own bubble, but, but I mean, these index, these companies aren't going anywhere. So, um, and of course there are different indexes too. There are some, there are indexes that track international uh, stock markets. There are some that track, you know, mid-sized companies and small-sized companies. So we we don't just focus on the largest companies in the U.S. or or stocks for that matter. There are also, you know, once as our uh, clients get older, we 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 tend to make their portfolios more conservative. Sure. Um, and and that means bringing in more conservative, you know instruments Options, like yeah. like bonds and and treasuries and so forth and then and there are, there are index funds that track those investments as well so okay. we we create a, a diversified portfolio for everyone um but there's there's some you know sometimes it it's enough just to have you know yeah. the one index you know because yeah. it's better it's better than what's available absolutely so, huh. oh, that is a lot to think about yeah yeah that is its own episode yeah 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 <laughs> but but the but within the context of the 401k conversation, I, I felt like it was important that we point out to people that when you give, when you put the money into your account, chances are that money's going to go into a mutual fund of some kind. Yeah. And uh, your employer may provide some uh, some means for you to get guidance as far as how that money gets invested. But like I said, if you go to like a retail financial advisor, they're yeah, you know, unless you got it's other gonna, money, they're not they're not worried about not it. Going to play with it, but. But we do. We, you know, that's. So you have options that maybe other people wouldn't find elsewhere. No, and that, and that's yeah. that's part of the partly why I designed the company this way is because I wanted to be because so much wealth is concentrated in that one type of account. Um, I wanted people to know that we're we're definitely that's one thing that we definitely do is give you guidance on that, um, at the very least, and 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 hopefully that'll be a way to rope people in and say, okay, <laughs> we can start talking about these other important things like you know, having a will or having life insurance or sure. getting, you know, your credit, you know, under control, so forth. So. Gotcha. I like that. All right. Anything else we need to say about the 401ks before we leave this one? Uh, no, pretty much. Uh, the only other thing I would mention is uh, the other, uh, if you were to break down, you know, if you took all the money that's invested in 401ks across the country, a little more than half of it is in mutual funds. The rest of it is uh, there are other types of vehicles. We won't really get into that here. Yeah. Um, but uh, mutual funds and you may have what they call a company stock fund where oh. you can buy stock in your own company inside your 401k. Um, at Littlewoods, we generally recommend that you don't you don't overcompensate in that area. Yeah. We Like 10% is usually the limit that we go with. Okay. And even then, we, we discourage, you know, a- Ask anybody who worked at Enron or, or WorldCom. <laughs> it's not a great plan. Yeah, it's <laughs> we they, we saw people who 
all they did was put all their 401k money in their company stock sure. and, and that's that's sure. not a way to go no. also i've had uh i've seen cases where people who work for companies like like the airline industry in particular is always having uh you know solvency issues yeah. and if and if uh, uh if if all you do let's say you know, I'll use United Airlines as an example. In, in the in the mid aughts, we had an issue where they were flirting with bankruptcy, and for the employees who invested in United Airlines stock in their four hundred one k plans, uh, the stock portion was mm-hmm. frozen because the the market for that stock was in free fall, yeah. and they, they they couldn't they couldn't have a rush of of employees going into their 401ks and trying to sell their company stock. Right. So that's another thing to, to consider is this, you know, this kind of systemic timing risk where sure. if the company's in trouble then all of a sudden everybody's flocking and, and, and then you get frozen out and then yeah. that's when you, you know, might have to go down with the ship. Right. You yeah. have an Enron like situation happening uh. there. So, oh, God. <laughs> so yeah, we, uh, generally, uh, if company stock is an option in your 401k, then it's also going to be an option outside of your 401k. And we, we, we tend to divert people in that more in that direction, you know, because for most people, 401k is like, is basically their pension. Yeah. And we have to treat it differently than we would other, you know, right. Personal accounts. Exactly. So a little bit more gravity. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Hey, that was great. I think we covered a lot. I hope so. I hope I hope it sounded somewhat like English. <laughs> I think so. I think we're finally getting there. Okay. So, if you would like more information regarding today's podcast or would like a consultation with Little Woods Capital Advisors, please visit www.littlewoodadvisors.com or call at 469-406-5191. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you.